Revealing Voices is a mental health podcast that is faith-based, peer-led, story-driven, and stigma-breaking. Host Tony Roberts and guest hosts with lived experience take you on a journey of revealing voices, working for justice, crying out for healing, speaking the truth in love, and expressing beauty in art. I'm Kevin Early Bird Early, technical producer and sound mixer, and I want to welcome you to Revealing Voices. Hello, this is Tony Roberts, and I'm here with our new associate producer and co-host of Revealing Voices, Kevin Early Bird Early. Hello, Um, how is everybody? Great to have you on board, Kevin. You've you've done such a bang up job as uh, the sound editor, meeting all the deadlines, and then most recently doing your own production interview with uh, substantial art, right? Yeah, yeah. I think that episode went over very well. I think that was a good episode. Thank and, you. I appreciate uh, it. I'm happy to be back. Our intention is to move forward after the first of the year. We're going to take a little podcast break at the end of this year to promote Hope for Troubled Minds book. And Kevin has some creative projects he'll mention. And then Kevin and I will begin again in productions in in January. We won't give you a sneak preview, but it's going to be a very special episode that kicks off the year, I believe, or will be soon in the first part of the year. So let's just say, Kevin, what are some of your hopes and dreams for podcasts in the next coming year? I think just having interesting guests and continuing to move the conversation forward regarding mental health and just bringing my insight into the conversation. Yeah, that that's what I'm thinking about. Now you all, you you not only do hip hop and sound recordings, but your full-time gig is as a mental health advocate, right? Um, yes, that's correct. And uh, that's going well for you. You've done that now for how long? It'll be seven years in February. Wow. And that's wonderful. And you do some speaking now and then. I give about two or three speeches a year. Yeah, I, I, I hope to do some speeches this coming year. I have to limit myself to about that two or three a year so i don't let my uh emotions run wild i i don't know your rationale for for keeping it tight probably just because you have so much else going on well i work two jobs and then i make music on the side and every once in a while i do a a speech so uh I i stay pretty busy that's great well i know from some of the people that I've introduced your music to and your your work on our podcast, you have some new fans. Um, oh, David cool. Tyke, if you're out there, <laughs> um, 
Uh, he's he's a big music buff. Uh, he doesn't like a great many hip hop artists. So, but he listened to yours. I played some of your work, and he he thinks that's just the bee's knees. I thank <laughs> you. I appreciate that. Yeah. So that's what's going on with the podcast. Uh, Eric Riddle will still be back. He's in the middle of campaign season for city council. He will come back at the end of this year to do a special year-end episode with me. We'll then hopefully the first of the year resume his once a month high cast, haiku and story. Cool. What's on my mind a great deal is our book, Hope for Troubled Minds, Tributes to Those with Brain Illnesses and Their Loved Ones. And Kevin, you have an entry in in our book. Yes, I have uh, the lyrics for a song that I wrote dedicated to my dad, a song from about, I think, 10 years ago. It's it's a tribute to my dad and the fact that he never gave up fighting for me. That's great. We have from your dad, I was able to ask and he graciously responded with a uh, back cover blur for the for the book. And uh, yeah, he was very impressed. Yeah. Well, a lot of people were very impressed with his impression. Um, <laughs> so we were, were very pleased with that. Just a few dates that I'll throw out. We are currently pre-ordering the book for $25. It's a discounted rate. You won't be able to get it at Amazon for the hardcover edition. And I've seen it, felt it, smelt it. And it's a book, all right. It's 330 pages, very artistic cover. And Katie Dale, my associate editor, did a great job on a lot of graphic decisions. And so basically you can order, we're going to put up the uh, link on on the um, show notes, the Website, delightanddisorder.org, is also where you'll find it pretty prominently featured to pre-order. If you pre-order before October 1, you will most likely, Lord willing and Amazon doesn't have a fit, most likely receive it before on or before November 1st, which will be when the public launch happens on amazon cool how did you yeah. give inspiration or the ideal to compile all these stories into a book good question i um started off with a very different vision in in mind i started off three years ago with a vision of of reaching out to at that time i was just focusing on loved ones of those with brain illness, mental illness, mental health issues, because I was finding in my ministry and in our ministry as Delight and Disorder Ministries that oftentimes the loved ones were feeling as much or more stress and 
having nowhere to process it because they were reluctant to talk about their loved one, not knowing what impact it would have on them with stigma being what it is. So I did a few interviews, but with my own condition, I ended up canceling more than I than I kept. And uh, my wife at the time was recommended me to put out a call for letters at that time, later songs and poems as well. And I put put it through social media ads, made contacts to NAMI and Treatment Advocacy Center, just spread the word, got a slow trickle in place. And then we got an endorsement, a forward from Ron Powers, who wrote the book, Nobody Cares About Crazy People. And that gave us kind of a stamp of authenticity where people jumped on board and we were able to get almost a hundred contributors. Okay. How many submissions did you get to narrow it down to a hundred? Well, we, we got, we didn't have to cut a lot. Actual submission numbers are uh, about 125. Some authors contributed a letter and a poem. Okay. But I would say less than a dozen were cut entirely. We did have to do some editing on a few that that didn't meet the standards that we felt were important for a book with a sensitive topic like this. Okay. And how, how many of the people who contributed were people that you knew personally versus people who you hadn't met yet? Um, it started as people I know, at least through social media, Facebook, very few that I've met in person. There were a handful of people that I met here locally in Columbus, Indiana, that did get submissions in. But a lot was word of mouth. People spread the news. Um, Janet Coburn, who was our line item editor and has a letter, she spread the news through our Facebook community page, Hope for Troubled Minds. And Great. We got a lot of submissions through there. Laura Pagliano also spread the news through her social media influence. So what are some of your favorite submissions that you got? Oh, boy, that's like asking me my favorite child. (laughs) (laughs) I did get some. I think of one that came in, I think it was like the third one I got that stands out. Not, I mean, there are many that stand out, but this one, it was from a woman who had never written anything, but she felt compelled. She had a, uh, well, she still has a son with a brain tumor. Uh, So his brain illness, if you will, or brain trauma is very much not 
his doing. Not that, I mean, all of us with major mental illness, severe mental illness, we're, we're genetically predisposed to it. So, but when, so, so she had this son, she also had a daughter who her brain illness became aggravated through addiction. So she went through a lot of rehab and it was really hard to her. She, she likely had an anosognosia where you don't have awareness of your illness and she self-medicated. So, but she loves both of her children and I wish we could have included photographs. We include them in our publicity, but it was just too untenable to have that many pages and that many photographs. So we, we would have lost a great deal of money. But she uh, she had one of her daughter cutting her, her son's hair, uh, her, his, her brother's hair, and it was very touching. What would you like people to take away from this book after they read it? Well, I think similar to Nami's title of their latest, well, their first and latest book, they are coming out with more, but it says, you are not alone. I think as people read my book, given that it's a blend of perspectives, severities, diagnoses, mental health histories, people are going to find something in a lot of the entries that you know move, moves them. And I, I also believe that stories through letters or poems or songs serve an advocacy purpose. You know, like if I were to go, I'm not a big lobbyist, but if I were to go lobby, I would tell my story. And a lot of lobbyists I know with Treatment Advocacy Center and, and NAMI do that now. They train individual pe people with lived experience to share their story. And that's what this whole book is. This is obviously a book that will probably reach the mental health community, but what plans do you have to try to reach it outside the mental health community into the regular book buyer? Well, partly because of the subject and the people who wrote, you know, we, we have in the title Hope for Troubled Minds, and hope is a very spiritual reality, you know, and the faith community has a lot of things to say about hope and offering people hope. I happen to be a pastor retired on disability. I have a few connections and I'm hoping that it will bridge the distance between the mental health world and the faith communities. That would be one goal that I have. That would be great if you could reach the faith community as well. Yeah. Were there any submissions that you got that were difficult to kind of get through, like emotionally? Yeah, there were some that, you know, there, there we had to put trigger warnings on. I tried not to uh, delete major portions of stories. There were only a handful that I felt were too much detail 
detail to include in a book about hope. But we have some that are, you know, unyielding in their stories of pain and agony and sacrifice and anger, confusion, doubt. And I, I wanted that all there because that's really part of the hope. If we if if we're going to have hope, it has to give us hope for something that we're struggling with. Well, you got to be authentic, and part of being authentic is going to that dark place. Exactly, Ex exactly. Um, I was very challenged to receive some that were, um, I mean, they pulled no punches. And there may be, you know, that's why we put the trigger warnings on, because, you know, there may be some people who get the book and they aren't ready to read certain chapters and that's okay there's there's plenty of celebratory content as well i think that makes a good balance yeah is there anything you learned about yourself or the people who provided submissions that you didn't know going in at the beginning of the project well i think there are two things that i certainly learned one is that I have to pace myself. I would sometimes get impatient with the process of compilation and keeping track because for the longest time, the emails just, or the stories, those letters and poems and songs came to me in email. So sometimes in order to make sure I had them all, I had to go back three years in my email file. Oh. I, had, I had kept them in a subfolder, but a few times I doubted my record keeping and I went back to, to more than that. But I also learned that, you know, I, I'm, I have stamina when, when I do pace myself. And I'm also good at helping getting people with skills and gifts to work with me. I did that as a pastor, you know, you don't, you don't just pay contracts to, to get people to do the work you want them to. You, you inspire them to volunteer their time. How would you describe the book to somebody who doesn't know anything about mental health or may be a potential reader? How would you convince them to read it? I would say that, you know, Ron Powers in his foreword takes issue first with a few portions of the book, not many, but that have what he thinks is false hope. But at a closer reading, he says, it's clear that these are people on the front lines. And they have turned to hope, whether it be a, a formal religious hope or a spiritual hope or, you know, I mean, we have we have atheists, Buddhists, Christians uh, represented in the book, uh, all branches of faith. Clearly, if you're going to write a book on hope, 
you're you're writing about what you believe is necessary to get up in the morning and that's what these people discovered along the way sometimes by not getting up in the morning but plugging away the next day thanks i don't think i have any other questions for you thanks for asking that those good questions I just before we wrap up, I just want to uh, share with our listeners a little bit about what we have going creatively and projects that that we're currently working on, uh, and also some advocacy that 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 we have. So, Kevin, what are what are a couple things you want to highlight that that are happening in your world? Well, you can always follow on my website, getthatworm.com. And I always tell people, go to getthatworm.com because if you go to get the worm, you're going to end up with some bait and tackle because that's what they sell on that website. (laughs) Okay. So so, um, I've got a number of albums coming out in the next couple months. I've got a compilation album coming out. Uh, with one new unreleased song and uh, 27 other songs that have already been released, but I'm releasing them as a double album with 14 tracks on each album. And that's uh, collaborations I've done with my friend Maria, who I write hooks and she sings them for me. She's got a beautiful voice. And I have 28 songs that range from about a decade ago when we started working together over a variety of topics. And I'm really happy to put them all in one compilation. And then I have an album coming out on Valentine's Day. I've got four singles coming out for that starting in November. The album with Maria comes out uh, October 6th. And then I have a album that i put together called history rhymes which goes to the beginning of mankind and kind of tells the tale of humankind up to the modern day through 10 songs and i'm currently finishing up an album called rebel diary and rebel diary is an anagram for my stage name early bird if you rearrange the letters in early bird, you get rebel diary. So um, I've got about 14 songs on that album. And I'm really excited for people to hear that because I've been re-releasing a lot of older stuff. So rebel diary will be some of the newer stuff I've been working on. So that should come out probably around my birthday in April next year. I know I recently listened to your, Earth Day collection, which was the name of that. I think I released that about a month ago. So uh, that's an album that I originally recorded in 2018. And I wasn't 100% satisfied with the musical aspect of it, but I really liked the lyrics. So I reproduced it uh, with new beats. And it's kind of a response record to what's going on by Marvin Gaye. And it deals with ecological concerns and environmental collapse and things of that nature. So that's the main theme of the album. It's a good one. 
And we want to encourage people to go to get that worm and purchase uh, music and merchandise. Um, the uh, music can be sampled on Spotify or Apple Music, right? But we don't want Yeah, I'm also on YouTube, any streaming service. Yep. And you've done some videos on YouTube that you posted. Yeah, I have about 30 music videos on YouTube, so... Oh, you are one <laughs> prolific dude <laughs> i try to be i i used to joke that i had more albums than i had fans but uh i'm starting to see an uptick in the numbers of people paying attention to me so yeah. um my whole thing is i figure one day i'm gonna die so hopefully it's not a way for not not a why it's a while from now when i die but I want to get all these albums out of my system and because it could happen any day. You never know. Yeah, you certainly want to live in the moment for, you know, as it, there, there, there was a line that, that I used to say at funerals, something like, you know, live each day as if it was your last so that you can be prepared for the last day or, yeah. You know, well, I have uh, also got an exciting opportunity coming up the week of September 20th. Uh, Treatment Advocacy Center, which the proceeds, the net proceeds from our book will go to National Alliance on Mental Illness, uh, NAMI, Treatment Advocacy Center, TAP, and our nonprofit Delight Disorder Ministries, and that's going to be evenly distributed. So a third, a third, a third. And I've been invited to go to a strategy breakfast for TAC at their 25th anniversary. Uh, and then they will have a gala. There's still some details to work out, you know, finding the right place for my dog and I'm looking forward to seeing some who have entries in the book and many who who have interest in in, in investment in the book. And I so, wish I didn't have to work that night. I would try to see you. Yeah, that's uh, unfortunate, but we'll have another time. I I uh, I learned that uh, I did a search and. Uh, it's it's only a day's drive. It's a nine hours from where I live now, and when only I nine hours. <laughs> well, yeah, nine driving hours. That's um, a long time. It, it's it's but it's I can do it in a day, and then um, right. where I'm gonna stay with my uh, daughter and son-in-law, it's only six hours from the Adirondacks. So oh yeah. Uh, that's even more manageable. So we will get together. I'll hold you to that. All right. Okay, Kevin. Well, thanks for joining us, everyone. And we hope you have a wonderful fall, autumn, and holiday season. And we will we'll see you in the new year. In touch. That's great. Thanks.